welcome to Changing Academic Life. I'm Geraldine Fitzpatrick, and this is a podcast series where academics and others share their stories, provide ideas, and provoke discussions about what we can do individually and collectively to change academic life for the better. I'm really happy to be able to bring you this conversation with Dr. Ashling O'Kane. Ashling is a an Associate Professor of Human-Computer Interaction in Health at the University of Bristol in the UK. Again, this conversation went on a little, so I've split it into two. In part one here, she talks about her very diverse background from engineering to human factors and working in industry, coming back to um, academia, to, to studies uh, and doing a PhD and now being in a faculty position. And this has taken her from Canada to Sweden to the UK, from working in nuclear industry and with and uh, working with margarine products to dealing with safety-critical aspects of healthcare devices. In the course of the conversation, she also reflects on various issues like the importance of mobility for her the challenges of being part of an academic couple and and with a young family, and in particular the impact of COVID. In part two, we will go on and talk about how she came to take on an acting head of department role uh, with the real aim of motivation to try to make a better workplace for herself and others. So uh, I'm really looking forward to bringing you that part as well. But for now, here is part one. Enjoy. Ashley. Thank you for having a chat with me today. Thank you for having me. Lovely to see you and chat with you. <laughs> yeah, and we were just saying it's ages since you've travelled as well to see to actually see people in the flesh at conferences and yeah, I, I have two young children which have impacted travel and even if I do went to conferences in the last few years, I brought them with them with us, which is. Uh, not not the ideal conference experience. No. Um, Do you want to just introduce yourself? Just sure. Briefly, a brief tour of your interesting background. Okay, thank you. Um, so uh, my name's Ashling. Uh, although the accent is Canadian, the the Ashling O'Kane is a very leprechaun Irish name. Um, so I was I was born in Toronto, um, uh, in Canada. I grew up in the suburbs there um, to Irish parents. My my mother's from Dublin and my dad's uh, from Draperstown, which is probably the tiniest little village in the north of Ireland. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I have a background in engineering, actually, um, and uh, started in mechanical engineering probably because my brother told me I couldn't do it at 14 <laughs> so proved it wrong got an engineering degree um but quickly switched to industrial engineering after my f- first human factors um engineering course which I thought was far more interesting than electrical engineering um and yeah and then took it from there um uh worked during uh summers in Toronto did a professional experience year working making margarine for Unilever um <laughs> in the office. I also I also made beer once doing shift work for Labac. <laughs> um 
Um, but yeah, beer, uh, beer and margarine. Beer and margarine. Um, <laughs> actually, my brother worked for Molson's, which is another Canadian beer company. So yeah, we're we're well established in <laughs> in Canadian beer brewing practices. Um, and, and we should just say for. Uh, that you have your microphone sitting on a pint glass. Just I do, to but it's for water. I'm in my office. It's for water. Let me. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and then uh, after after university, um, uh, University of Toronto, I stayed in Toronto and got a job right away as a and human factors, which was quite rare to come out straight out of um, an undergraduate degree. There, I thought I thought I was very lucky. Um, to work uh, as a human factors kind of risk a- a- analyst um, in the nuclear industry in in, in Canada. Um, and I did that uh, for about uh, ooh, two, two and some odd years. And uh, my feet got itchy. Um, and my company uh, would sponsor me to go over and do a master's somewhere or a, a portion of that. Um, and I took that as an opportunity to travel rather to, mm. than to um, uh, uh, really any intellectual reasons. And I ended up uh, going to Stockholm to do a, a master's in KTH, um, uh, 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 in interactive systems engineering. Um, and then uh, luckily enough, got involved in as a master's student in mobile life. Um, and uh, the opportunity to be taught by Christina Hook and Helena Mentis um, and uh, got stuck on research. And then mm. I've never made uh, as much money as I did when I left mm. consulting at the age of, what, 23. I've, I've, ju- I've just started making as much money as that. And um, Yes. Um, yeah, so so Stockholm, and then I went to to Delft and lived in Rotterdam for a few months to do master's thesis research. Made it over to the UK to do um, an internship at Microsoft Cambridge with Helena, and then PhD at the UCL, the UCL Interaction Center, UCLIC um, fellowship there, and then uh, immediately got pregnant and then immediately got the permanent position in Bristol <laughs> to lecture. So I've worked my way up from lecturer to senior lecturer. And now I'm an associate professor of mm-hmm. uh, human computer interaction for health. Um, yeah, that was a whirlwind tour from Beer Factory. <laughs> a, whir- a whirlwind tour yeah. by, by a nuclear um, risk mm-hmm. assessment. and mm-hmm. Yeah. I much prefer health stuff. So yeah. um, I, my early career was very much on uh, safety critical systems, human factors. So even um, at University of Toronto, the the human factors is very much around um, transportation safety, nuclear safety, um, manufacturing. Um, and I think I've taken that lens into health Um uh, I was particularly inspired by what was going on at Mobile Life and experience-oriented design um, and uh, really tried to combine that kind of experience-oriented design and safety-critical systems in my PhD and looking mm. at how user experience, all the, the fuzzy, messy stuff, actually impacts how people use medical devices in a safety-critical safety way. Um, and I've, I've continued that kind of uh, looking at these very serious devices, but how are they actually used, misused, thrown against walls, mm. um, and expanded out. Uh, my, my PhD research was on diabetes 
since then, looking at uh, smart home technologies with older adults, uh, looking at uh, with a PhD student, Megan Morgan, endometriosis, um, with Sam James, looking at uh, uh, university students in the UK going leaving the home for the first time, picking up drinking in a real way, but also managing a chronic condition and what that does. Mm. Um, and yeah, uh, mental health uh, and just a range of things. But I'm, I'm really quite passionate of understanding the real world influence on these yeah. things that are designed to be safety critical, designed for health. So that that sort of, even though on the surface it seems like there have been lots of very different things from engineering to to health to bionuclear and that that's that's a red thread from the sounds of it. Or uh, I, I, definitely think, an emerging red thread that sort of got stronger. Uh, I absolutely I've, I've I've always really wanted to be in health and um uh, Michael Carter was a professor at U of T taught um kind of systems engineering around health and understanding kind of operations research around health um and that 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 was massively massively inspiring but being able to apply kind of the kind of the the, the stuff that um mobile life was really leading on um to the safety critical i, I thought mm. was is, is such an interesting area i've continued to ride that wave because i still find mm. it very interesting yeah. i'm lucky enough to to attract PhD students and postdocs who are, find that interesting as well. <laughs> so that's the second time you've said lucky. Isn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, it, it, it is luck. It is luck. It's a lot to do with uh, my parents as well, right? They were immigrants, mm. so they tried to get a better life for myself and my brother. Um, they, they didn't, yeah, so... Uh, my mother moved over for fun, I think, to Canada. She was offered a maternity leave. She's a physiotherapist. So she offered a maternity leave in Canada and I think got away from a boyfriend she wanted to break up with, <laughs> moved over to Toronto and ha ha was here for fun and perhaps got a bit stuck. Um, but my dad worked. He, he He's uh, my, I, I don't think he finished high school. He came over um, to work a range of odd jobs in, in Canada. Um, doing all sorts of things, mm. uh, spent six months in the Yukon working in an asbestos mine um, <laughs> to, to, to make some money. Um, and they tried to make it back to Ireland when my brother was younger and uh, late 70s, early 80s, and Dublin wasn't the easiest place so back up in Canada. So they, they've uh, sacrificed a lot for us and for our education. So uh, it is it is luck, but it's a lot to do with my my parents mm. setting setting me up with mm. an education that uh, I could I could pursue something of interest rather than um, just having to focus on making money because it, I don't make a lot of money. <laughs> mm. I know it's funny. <laughs> yeah, you it's don't. Funny <laughs> that uh, that you earned more when you were your twenty three year old younger self earned more working in the industry. Yep. So yeah, we don't do academia for the money, do we? I no, <laughs> especially not in the UK. I think there are better there are better paychecks elsewhere. <laughs> uh, many places are not so. But um, how do you reflect on you know, like you, you've really straddled, bridged lots of different disciplinary areas and application domain areas. How do you reflect on that in terms of I don't know what were the core skills you needed to be able to do that. It's funny the skills. Or whatever I, reflections. Yeah. Um 
I think the, uh, I think my engineering degree, I use very little <laughs> now from what I've learned. Um, but I, I, I did learn how to get through. It was a very tough program. Um, it's one of those programs where they say, look left, look right. One of you are leaving by the end of the first year. Warned us not to get part-time positions because it's more expensive to fail out and have to repeat a year. Um, it was, uh, yeah, in, in University of Toronto, they have different colleges where regardless of what you're studying, you're part of that college and you're part of that life. Engineering doesn't have that. You have no life. <laughs> in the first year, they used to, um, have, uh, tests for, uh, I think it was material engineering on Friday mornings at 8.30 because Thursday nights was the big university night. That wasn't for us. <laughs> um, so I, I, it's, yeah, I, I learned how to get through that. And uh, I, I think with that provides some skills on kind of completer finisher skills. So mm. I think kind of, I, I, I've used that quite successfully. Um probably with a touch of too much uh, procrastination as well. So that, that, those were definite, definite skills I've learned there. The, the, the risk analysis of nuclear was quite interesting. Um, looking at specifically a human error. So going out to, uh, uranium pellet production plants and, um, seeing where there is the possibility and breaking down those little tasks and understanding where the human factor does come in <laughs> the lunch break, the to ha- having a, a sip of water um, might impact the, <laughs> impact mm. the production line. Um, so it definitely, it definitely brought a lot of uh, kind of uh, uh, project management skills, I guess, from, uh, from engineering. Yeah. Um, a, 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 the, the, the getting out there and seeing how factories work, um, a lot from the beer factory, the margarine factory, <laughs> the uranium pellet factory. Um, and yeah, just being absolutely exposed to a different way of thinking about engaging with technology through mobile life was just massively inspiring mm. and bringing it together. And you, click was massively inspiring when I was at UCL. There was a massive project called, uh, the EPSRC KIMED, which was. I'm going to say five or six years, mm. tons of different researchers, um, international collaborators. So Swansea University was there, UCL was there, um, um, Queen Mary and, uh, but uh, yeah, also collaborators from, from all over the world. And uh, Gregory Abad was kind of the, uh, uh, the, the main advisor on that. So being exposed to, to, um, a, a superstar such as that was amazing and was able to go out to Georgia Tech for a, a brief stint. Um, thank you, EU Mary Curie a program to, to do that during my PhD and uh, uh, be able to ex- be exposed to that. Visit, visiting Gillian Jill, Hayes out in um, Irvine uh, through that same program and mm. being able to meet Yunnan Chen and being able to meet. Um, uh, Sun Young Park and, uh, just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly learning, uh, from all of these amazing people that I've been able to meet. But yeah, it is very much related to in person and face to face engagements, which have been severely lacking over the last few mm. years. So I'm quite excited to get back yeah. to it. <laughs> Some abilities that 
your possibility to be mobile has been a big part for you, whether it's moving from Canada to Stockholm or um, these sorts of ad hoc travels during during studies and that. What about now? You know, because you said as well with two kids and, you know, if you do travel to conferences, you don't have the same sort of experience. Um, no, it's a lot of COVID. Yeah, I, I was I was just very lucky. There was a time in my life where I was able to travel. Um, so just an environmental disaster, but I was all over the place and able to go home. And I'm a type of person who's not very good on the phone, not very good at messaging, not very mm. good at keeping up by email. But I like to see people in person. I used to put in a lot of effort to go see people and a lot of air miles to do so. Mm. Um, and uh, that part of my personality, I think, has impacted the way that I've engaged with academia. And I really get a lot from um, meeting people in person and conferences. Mm. Um, you get a lot of energy, energy, ideas, like absolutely. What, what is it that you get? I, I, just the, yeah, the ability to to engage with a person in 3D and have chit chat and have banter and let that lead to interesting research collaborations and interesting chat over the a period of time and in not a set form as a, a one hour Zoom meeting to talk collaboration, um, that kind of um, uh yeah, just the, the, the messiness of uh, engaging with people and where conversations go and the serendipitous encounters you get at conferences yeah. have always been amazing. And and workshops as well. You still go for the workshop, but it, the workshop's long. You have a lot of time to chit chat and talk to people about uh, different things. And I, I, I severely miss that. Um, but uh yeah, we, I have a two-body problem. My my husband is Paul Marshall, um, and he's an HCI uh, associate professor as well. Um, and we have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. Um, so we have made the decision, actually, uh, I, I remember talking to Rob Kumbar, who's um, uh, married to Madeline Blam, who have a very similar problem. And what they do is they, uh, one takes one conference, one takes the other. So we had all this all planned out and then COVID came and Paul had Kai last year and I had CSCW. But of course, CSCW has been cancelled. So, mm. Or not cancelled. It's online. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going anywhere. So yeah. hopefully in the future, mm. we'll be able to kind of do that back and mm. forth. So it's, it's not the same, but quite frankly, we shouldn't be putting in as many air miles anymore. It's an ecological disaster. <laughs> mm. Interesting tensions, aren't they? Absolutely. Um, and my, my six-year-old who's gone to school is, um, I've become quite the eco-warrior. Um, and it's, it, uh, it's funny because he's saying things that I remember saying to my parents in the nineties. Um, but it wasn't quite as well known, I suppose, mm. and, and not a cultural movement. So his, him saying stuff to us, just listen to him because he's right. Um, so if we were going to buy a car, we've, I've never had a car. I've been lucky enough to live in cities that are walkable my entire life. Um, and we were going to get one to go out and see the lovely countryside in the southwest of England. My, my six-year-old son bullied us out of it. <laughs> um, we should get an electric car. No, those are bad as well. Okay. He's, he's right. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but yeah, but still honest. need to put in the air miles. Hopefully, we can do more train travel, but uh, mm. that's very expensive. So mm. we'll see. And different time constraints. I, I just had a conference recently where 
I guiltily took a plane where I technically could have had a train, but it involved, you know, like two extra, you know, good days away because it was a long train trip. And yeah, so it's always. Yeah, and that's best case scenario. That's that's not missing a connection. <laughs> so yeah. it is. It's quite the investment, um, yeah. and and literal investment in the UK. Uh, we um, uh, so my partner's from Scotland, so we we go up to Scotland quite a lot. And so there's the driving, there's the train, or there's the plane. Um, and we always want to go by train, but in order to get cheap tickets, we have to get two changes. <laughs> And mm-hmm. I have a three and five, a six-year-old who do not listen. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. very hard to keep those yep. changes ready. Yeah, and changes that don't often happen. Yep. Yeah. Any any other ways that you're handling, you know, the the, the two body issue or the or the uh, how you compensate for not having as much face to face as what you really want to have. Um. Not at the moment. In some ways, we we benefited from COVID because everyone didn't have it at the same time when we had very young children. Um, uh, we have, but in 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 our everyday, uh, both myself and Paul are quite uh, social people, and we just in the last month decided we've taken down our home offices. Um, and we are coming into work to, to, yeah. uh, it's the first time I've had it at an office in my 38 years. So why, with a very nice use. So why, why not, why not use it? Mm. Um, and en- engage with people face to face and take the time to have coffees with them and whatnot. Mm. Um, um, and so that, that, that has been great and quite good for electricity bills as well. <laughs> so making deliberate decisions to, create opportunities for socializing even within your local context like yeah doing absolutely yeah. and bristol has a, a a a very big hci presence um with Anne Rudeau, mike fraser osama matatla uh chris priest um we're, we're very lucky here to have uh not only superstars but they're also really nice um, and they all, they're all parents as well. They all have young, young or youngest children. And, uh, it's just a, it's a really, uh, nice environment to be able to have that chit chat banter. And then it leads to lovely research mm. talk and things like mm. that. So lovely. We're, we're, we're very lucky. I'm going to use that word again. Mm. <laughs> and how does that play out practically in the day to day organization of the, of the group and the work? You know, if, if everyone's got kids. Well, there's been a lot of, um, so UK went into hard lockdown for six months, um, which is less than a lot of other places. Um, but every single one of the, almost every single one of the members had two kids under five. Um, and so we didn't have any, we didn't have face to face, obviously, uh, but we hardly, we're able to keep up and we're still coming out of that, to be honest. Mm, so yeah. since then, we're making a, a huge effort to to be at the weekly lab meeting, go in and stay in. So our lab is different from our where our offices are, but to go in and be there to engage in that way. Um, we've set up a, an additional meeting every week and we do do that online because Again, people have different childcare responsibilities and whatnot, um, and live in different places. Uh, but to be able to kind of keep that, um, the use of 
online messenger systems has been massive also, um, which I'm sure everyone would mm. feel, whether it's Slack or MS Teams, has been uh, great for providing that kind of asynchronized closeness <laughs> and mm. uh, connection, mm. um, which has been nice. But we are we are still kind of coming out of it. Um, people's childcare is only really coming back up to, to speed now. Um, and we're, we're trying to make that be- uh, bigger effort to be there in mm. person, spend more time mm. together. It is true that we're still coming out. I'm, I'm seeing it in, playing out in so many ways. You know, yeah. Yeah, and people's people's views on it are very different. So, um, I it, our our computer science department, which is where um, the Bristol Interaction Group is, uh, I would say we're quite conservative COVID wise. Um, there are some uh, self-described hypochondriacs amongst us, mm. um, and to be able to come out from that is was quite uh, quite jarring. Um, but mm. we are getting there. But then again, we have freshers flu, and freshers flu is is mixed with COVID this year, mm, and, and a lot yeah. of people are getting it. And yeah, do you see or do you think there have been any particular negative impacts on your career path, CV? whatever um yeah of course i i think everyone uh with kids but not not even with kids it's it's it was such a jarring experience for people so Mm. people who didn't have caring responsibilities still were affected in different ways and then there were the people who did really well (laughs) put their head down that's uh, great for them we all kind of hate them a bit but the great (laughs) Um, but yeah, of, of course it did. Of course it did. Um, and, uh, but what can you do? I've, I, I've, I've also chosen to have two kids. That was massive impact of, on, on my CV. So I'm kind of used to these, mm. um, uh, hits to my research trajectory at this point. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky to be in a, in a, uh, in a role that's permanent. Um, mm. Yeah, and I had I had that uh, stability, uh, that that kind of safety net throughout, um, which a lot of people didn't, and yes. were struggling with those things with also yeah. having insecure yeah. employment. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any tricks for you know? You said you realize that you need the deadlines. Do you have any tricks for? Tricking yourself about deadlines. If, Tricking if myself. Um, so I, 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 try, trying to, I, I do like the conference cycles in HCI, I must say. They are hard deadlines and there's no missing them. Um, I like the review deadlines in, in HCI. I'm currently in AC for Kai. Um, As AC and- being an associate chair, which is sort of a, like a program papers committee chair for a a, a subset of papers because exactly so I, I, I have fourteen papers seven of which needed a, a full review seven of which I am doing a meta review so looking at them and I have deadlines and it's set mm. externally and there's um there's maybe some wiggle room on some of those deadlines mm. but there's always a hard deadline and that that is absolutely what I need uh, versus journals which are these open things. Um, mm. Uh, so trying to trying to avoid that when I can, but I also find uh, I, I I guess I've uh, 
having deadlines to other people help as well. Mm-hmm. These aren't these aren't tips and tricks. This is how I stress myself in order to to get things done. But having that uh, a sense of personal guilt. So, <laughs> I, I was raised Irish Catholic, so having that set in the calendar guilt. is personal guilt helps. <laughs> um, uh, as well, but I don't think that's a healthy coping mechanism, to be honest. Mm. Mm. So, what what would you, you you said that the the students coming through now have far more access to information and resources and strategies? What would you what would you be wanting to tell your younger self to do then? From I guess what read you're up seeing and, and read up and see. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I I did okay. <laughs> I think I, ha, having the ability to have the kind of vocabulary and to understand that there's information out there um, would be quite useful. But I, yeah, mm. I'm a, I'm a uh, I don't know if it would have been out there, right? If I had that, um, yeah. there's a certain uh, a certain magic mix of technology and openness and change of culture that has happened to allow these Gen Zs to talk about these things. Um, and that, that magic mix wasn't around for, I guess I'm millennial boarding on X. Um, mm. and I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that magic mix would have been possible back then. Um, but it's, it's fantastic to see it now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it is. It is, especially at a time when we're seeing so many reports of issues and problems and pressures. Issues and problems and pressures, which are, which are horrible, but there's, yeah. there's also the thing that they're getting uh, reported more now. <laughs> That's yeah. great. They're not yeah. buried. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And also, the, I don't know, in the UK, but students having to work a lot more, you know, like you said, you were advised not to do a part-time job because you just need to focus, whereas a lot of them, at least from my experience, need to do that part-time job to live, which creates pressures. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, we were we were warned, don't get a part-time job even if you need the money because you will fail a year and it will cost you more. Mm. <laughs> so that, that was the build up a little bit more debt, believe me. It's, and mm. you know what? They were right because the people who did part-time work, some of them had to repeat years. Mm. So there there is the, the investment, um, yeah, and it isn't the additional year of, tuition fees it's the lost um wages because that's yes. coming out of an engineering degree you get a pretty good first wage yeah. Um, yeah but yeah it's 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 not possible that the tuition fees are are extortionate um mm. they're that maybe i'm not something i can't say that. Mm. yeah <laughs> um uh so it, it is hard. Things are more yeah. expensive these days. Um, uh, tuition is more expensive. The cost of living in the UK is is gone up um, as we speak. Um, mm. it's, and uh, they do have to carry a lot more than than I did mm. yeah. <laughs> back in back in the two thousands. It does also point to the importance of just taking a longer term perspective. I guess wherever we are at whatever stage, you know, this yeah. Um, one of the reasons why I also wanted to chat with you, Ashling, was that you t- bravely stepped up to a role as acting head of, do you say, school or department? Everyone calls them different yeah. things. Um, a, a little while ago, so I'd I'd love to hear that story, how that came about, and that's the story we'll pick up with in part two. What I loved in the story that we've heard so far from Ashling 
is how she's been able to pull together the various threads from her diverse background experiences to shape her research now. And as we'll hear in the next part, how it also helps shape her her, uh, leadership roles. I think it's also a good reminder for us of the challenges for people with young families and the impact it can have on career trajectories. And that's not even to mention how COVID experiences have exacerbated all of this. I'm just hoping that those of us who are in positions of assessing promotion or uh, appointment cases remember this next time we're, we're looking at someone's CV. So I'm looking forward now to bringing you part two where we really do get into a fascinating account of Ashling stepping into a leadership role as a relatively junior faculty member and the very skillful way she navigated this. You can find the summary notes, a transcript and related links for this podcast on www.changingacademiclife.com. You can also subscribe to Changing Academic Life on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And you can follow Change Acad Life on Twitter. And I'm really hoping that we can widen the conversation about how we can do academia differently. And you can contribute to this by rating the podcast and also giving feedback. And if something connected with you, please consider sharing this podcast with your colleagues. Together, we can make change happen.